The Nugent Report, the science behind health and nutrition. Welcome to this episode of The Nugent Report, a definitive source for objective information on health and nutrition, featuring Dr. Steve Nugent, the renowned psychologist, author, public speaker, and expert on science, health, wellness, and nutrition. Be sure to visit our website at drnugent.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Are calcium supplements dangerous? Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of The Nugent Report. I'm Dr. Steve Nugent. This episode is dedicated to calcium, but it's entirely different than the approach you might expect. For more than half a century, people all over the world have been told women need more calcium. Well, it is true that women need more calcium than men. However, it is not universally true that women need calcium supplementation. In fact, according to the latest science, the majority of women consuming a modern diet don't need calcium supplementation at all. Well, that's probably surprising you already. All of my subscribers know that the Nugent Report is objective reporting about science and health. And that means no bias. We don't care about groupthink. The phrase everybody knows is not science. Scientific knowledge is growing at such a tremendous speed that it's impossible for any single human being to keep up with it. On the Nugent Report, we simply try and eat that elephant one bite at a time. In this episode of the Nugent Report, you're going to learn some things about calcium that may not only surprise you, they may actually shock you. Here are just a few of the questions that we'll address in this episode. Are you getting too much calcium? How is calcium absorbed and utilized? Is calcium just for bones? Are there foods rich in calcium besides dairy? Do calcium supplements prevent weak bones and fractures? What are the risks with excess calcium supplementation? You know, people have been told for more than a half a century that you need calcium for strong, healthy bones. Indeed, you do. The statement is correct. The average person, however, does not know that healthy bones require much more than calcium. And the average person does not know that if you have too little magnesium or vitamin D, that calcium will either calcify in your body, or be excreted in your urine, which can lead to kidney stones. Both the food and food supplement industries have been pushing the idea that women need more calcium for many decades. Once again, it is true that women require more calcium than men, but only about 30% of women have a need for calcium supplementation. Hmm. Too much calcium presents potential health problems. 
that's the kind of thing that I want to convey to you under the heading of integrative health. But as a psychologist, I also want to point out that human beings have a need to have virtually any topic reduced to the simplest common denominator. The one-size-fits-all approach is always more welcome than an approach that requires complex analysis. The fact is, the one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to calcium supplementation is not accurate, and you're going to learn not such a good idea. For more details on how magnesium and vitamin D play a role in the absorption and utilization of calcium, I would invite you to listen to my podcast series on magnesium and vitamin D. As I like to say so often, science marches on. And many of the things that we learned 10 years ago, 20 years ago, in my case, more than 40 years ago, well, they simply changed. When I first learned the basics of clinical nutrition, it was many decades ago. And unfortunately, the majority of practitioners today are still using that decades-old information, and they are unaware of the more recent scientific studies that contradict most of what we used to believe was true. Let's begin with what calcium is needed for before we go on to the other questions I promised to address. Calcium is an essential mineral, meaning that your body must have it, but cannot make it within itself. So it must be supplied to your body from an external source. The most preferable source would be food. And in some cases, where necessary, food supplements. Science is showing us that some nutrients need to be supplemented because the modern diet supplies insufficient levels, whereas with other nutrients, this is not yet the case. Even before the food industry began fortifying foods with calcium in order to sell more products to female consumers, by emphasizing their food was fortified with calcium, and then repeating the groupthink chant, women need more calcium. Well, there is now an abundant level of calcium available in the modern diet. Some individuals are actually consuming too much calcium and don't know it. As the modern diet continues to change, calcium-containing foods are often disproportionate in their dietary choices. Calcium is the most abundant mineral in the human body, or it should be if the body is healthy. When someone says calcium in a word association test, the response might be bone, or it might be dairy. We'll talk about food sources in a few minutes. But understand that your body cannot function without calcium. It's far more than just a necessity for healthy bones and teeth. You may recall from the series on magnesium and vitamin D that magnesium is the mineral that relaxes a muscle and calcium is the mineral that contracts the muscle. In order for a muscle to function, it must contract and relax 
and repeat that cycle again and again. Calcium is also required for vasodilation, nerve transmission, vascular contraction, hormone secretion, and even intracellular signaling. Calcium is so important to the body that the body very tightly regulates calcium balance in your blood. Approximately 1% of your body's total supply of calcium is found in your blood, and the other, approximately 99%, is found in bones and teeth. It is true that if your body requires more calcium in the blood, it will leach that calcium from the bone. This, however, does not mean that a calcium supplement will solve the problem. Calcium must interact with both magnesium and vitamin D, or it cannot be absorbed and utilized. So supplementation of calcium without sufficient levels of magnesium and vitamin D would make calcium useless and even potentially harmful. Remember from previous episodes that adequate intake levels and deficiencies are two different things. An inadequate level in the blood means a level too small to maintain normal healthy function and may, over time, lead to a health issue, whereas a deficiency will almost certainly lead to a significant health problem. Depending on whether you're using the term inadequate or deficient, anywhere between 30 and 42% of the population are getting insufficient levels of vitamin D from diet alone. Whereas more than 70% of the population are getting inadequate levels of magnesium from diet alone. For decades, people have been told that they need to have a two to one ratio of calcium to magnesium. And so they look for this on dietary supplement labels. However, when you begin to calculate the amount of calcium in the modern diet, it now throws that ratio off completely. As an example, because my diet, my personal diet is very high in calcium containing foods, I take an additional 1,170 milligrams daily of magnesium in the form of a bisglycinate chelate, clearly the most efficient and effective form of magnesium available to science today. In a few moments, I'll give you some examples of calcium amounts in various foods, and I know you're going to be surprised. According to the U.S. National Institutes of Health, quote, frank calcium deficiencies are uncommon, close quote. There is simply a lot more calcium in the modern diet than you knew. At this point, you might be having what I call a yeah, but moment. That's when you hear something which is totally different from what you thought to be true. And then you say to yourself, yeah, but so-and-so said, yeah, but my favorite talking head on TV said, yeah, but 
My doctor said, folks, get a grip on those yeah, but moments and pay very close attention to what we have to say because the Nugent Report is an objective learning experience. Let's momentarily go back to the idea of cofactors for absorption and utilization of calcium. It's not uncommon these days for physicians to do blood tests on their patients and then recommend not just hundreds, but even thousands of units of vitamin D. Prior to the availability of patient testing for blood levels of vitamin D, all physicians were taught and most followed the government recommendation, which said 400 IU, international units, which is equivalent to 10 micrograms, often written as 10 UG, per day was the daily requirement. And many physicians, I know because I dealt with so many in my early career, who believed this idea so strongly, they thought that if you exceeded 400 IU, that you might somehow get toxic. Today, as science marches on, 10 micrograms daily is now recommended as the daily allowance for an infant between the ages of zero and 12 months. As is the case with many nutrients, requirements vary by age and or gender. And currently, the required daily allowance of vitamin D for both males and females between the ages of one and 70 is 600 IU or 15 micrograms. Males and females above the ages of 70 are recommended to have a minimum of 800 IU or 20 micrograms. As is the case with most nutrients, vitamin D performs more than one task. So although it is essential for the processing and absorption of calcium, it has many other functions as well. Please listen to my podcasts on magnesium and vitamin D. According to the 2015-2016 National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which is the most recent national survey available, most people in the US consume less than the recommended amounts of vitamin D. An analysis of data found that average daily minimum vitamin D intakes from foods and from beverages were between 5.1 micrograms, that's about 204 IUs in men, 4.2 micrograms or 168 IUs in women, and 4.9 micrograms or 196 IU in children ages two to 19. The 2013-2016 survey data revealed that 92% of men, more than 97% of women, and 94% of people aged one to, well, one and older, ingested less than the EAR of 10 micrograms or 400 IU in their daily diet. 
okay, I realize all these federal abbreviations can get confusing. And it's possible that not every subscriber has listened to every podcast. In a previous podcast, I did explain all of the government abbreviations that relate to nutrition. But I'll review this one once again. The EAR is the estimated average requirement. Now, that is the average daily level of intake estimated to meet the requirements of 50% of healthy individuals, usually used to assess the nutrient intakes of groups of people and to plan nutritionally adequate diets for those groups. So let's regroup on this for a second, try and make sense of all this. According to the latest science, more than 90% of the population of all ages, male and female, are getting inadequate levels of vitamin D. Now remember, you need vitamin D to process your calcium. If you are deficient, taking that calcium supplement is not going to help you. In fact, it may do the opposite. In the future, I'll be doing a podcast on muscle loss as well as one on bone loss as we age. Uh, we certainly have a continuously aging population. Hopefully that's a problem that will never stop unless, of course, someone finds the science to stop the aging process. In the meantime, aging is certainly better than the alternative. Right now, there's insufficient time for me to cover all that in a single podcast, but recognizing that starting around the age of 40, we begin to see significant levels of muscle loss. And because of this, we have to address it with adding more protein to the diet and exercise you must have resistance to the muscle as well as protein intake in order to maintain and then even go beyond that in order to build muscle. Well, in my 50s, I began to increase my protein intake significantly along with digestive enzymes because if you increase your protein intake to more than the normal level that you might typically do, it's just a really good idea to increase your digestive enzymes as well, because protein is difficult for the body to digest. Certainly it is difficult above a certain number of ounces or grams per serving. Well, there's a lot more to the story, of course, than just protein intake naturally. But the point is my diet, my personal diet is quite high in protein and the proteins that I choose, many of them are very high in calcium, but provide little or no magnesium or vitamin D. This is why I supplement with so much additional magnesium in the form of bisglycinate. Again, I suggest that you listen to my podcasts on those subjects. Let's take a look at some of the foods that are high in calcium. And you'll find that the food charts or links to those charts will be provided for you on the URL, drnugent.com. And drnugent.com, by the way, 
if you are listening to this podcast rather than viewing it, uh, that is written as one word, lowercase, no dots, no hyphens, drnugent.com. And that is the host for the Nugent Report. So again, for more details, more specific details, please listen to my podcast series on magnesium and vitamin D. In most modern countries, there is the equivalent of a milk producers association or a dairy producers association. In fact, in the US, we not only have national associations, but we also have one for each state. Now these associations around the world have done an absolutely fantastic job in convincing people that they need to consume more milk for calcium. In fact, many of the people that I have spoken with throughout my career think that the only source of calcium is dairy. And if they show me their bone scans as an example that show that their bone mineral density is dropping, the first thing they say to me is, well, you know, I don't drink milk, so what else should I do? Again, I'm going to cover food sources pretty darn quick. So you're going to find out that there is so much calcium in food, unlike many other nutrients where there is so little of the nutrient available in the modern diet, where supplementation is a strong recommendation from me to you. The fact is, calcium is essential to life for virtually every animal on this planet. So if you consume an omnivorous diet, omnivorous uh, from the Latin, omni essentially meaning all-inclusive, and vore meaning to eat, so omnivorous diet, which is the normal human diet, and no, I'm not going to get into the argument about vegetarianism right now, this is not the place for it. If you choose a vegan or vegetarian diet, you can get more than enough calcium if you choose your foods correctly. Yes, you can. But going back to the idea that the normal human diet is omnivorous, which would include animal proteins, every animal, of course, has muscles. All muscles can only contract if they contain calcium. And nervous systems and so on. There's so many things that require calcium. So when you consume an animal product, you're consuming calcium. You don't have to just drink glasses of milk, but guess what? There are plants, various plants, vegetables and fruits that contain calcium. All right, get ready. Now this is a podcast, so you can play this back as many times as you want. You don't necessarily have to take notes if you don't want to. But listen carefully, I'm going to give you a list of foods, and this should surprise you. Collard greens contain 360 milligrams per eight ounces. And by the way, for those of you listening or watching who live outside of the U.S., eight U.S. ounces is approximately 227 grams. Now, that's when we're talking solid U.S. ounces. It's different with liquid U.S. ounces. In the U.S., a common serving size is eight ounces for many foods and beverages. Chinese cabbage, which is also known as bok choy, is 160 milligrams of calcium 
per eight ounces, or once again, about 227 grams. An eight ounce serving of kale has 180 milligrams of calcium. Eight ounces of soybeans contains 175 milligrams of calcium. Even an orange has 55 milligrams of calcium. Only three U.S. ounces, and that's about 85 grams. So only three U.S. ounces of sardines provides 325 milligrams of calcium in only 85 grams, only three ounces, 325 milligrams. Three ounces of salmon, 180 milligrams of calcium. Three ounces of shrimp, which outside of the U.S. is commonly called prawn, that provides 125 milligrams of calcium. That's a lot of calcium. And I haven't even gotten to dairy yet. Milk, cheese, and yogurt are very high in calcium. A six-ounce serving of plain yogurt provides 310 milligrams of calcium. Just one serving. An eight-ounce glass of milk regardless of the fat content. Somebody's going to say, is that low fat? Is that 2%? Doesn't matter what the fat content is, okay? Just eight ounces of milk provides 310 milligrams of calcium. Eight U.S. fluid ounces, by the way, is equivalent to approximately 236 mLs. Only one ounce of Mozzarella cheese provides an astounding 210 milligrams of calcium, one ounce. One ounce of cheddar provides 205 milligrams. Only four U.S. ounces of cottage cheese, known in many countries as curds and whey, provides 125 milligrams. Four ounces of feta cheese, 140 milligrams of calcium. I haven't even gotten to fortified food yet. The food industry has learned that they can sell more to female consumers if they simply fortify their product with extra calcium. Most people don't think about a glass of orange juice as containing calcium. Well, of course, you just learned that oranges have calcium. But these days, most calcium-fortified orange juice products are providing 150 milligrams of calcium per four-ounce glass. And of course, if you have a big glass, eight ounces, well, that's twice as much. Many tofu products are fortified with additional calcium, delivering as much as 205 milligrams of calcium per four ounces. For those who wish to avoid dairy and purchase almond milk or rice milk or soy milk, the typical product is fortified with about 300 milligrams of calcium per eight ounce glass. There is so much 
calcium fortified in foods now. Even breakfast cereals are frequently fortified with calcium and may offer an additional 100 milligrams, even as much in some cereals as 1,000 milligrams of additional calcium per eight ounce serving. The point is, there's a lot of calcium in the modern diet. Unlike magnesium and vitamin D, there's a lot of calcium. These fortified foods are typically not fortified with extra magnesium or vitamin D. And in the rare cases that they are, they're not fortified in the right ratios to the calcium. All right, let's examine the science. Now, especially women, I mean, everybody's been told, but especially women are told, well, you need to take a calcium supplement because you wanna have healthy bones and you wanna prevent bone fractures, right? Well, I did a look on the science. Now, I don't have time to read every paper ever written. There's, there's so many papers, it just can't be done. Well, here's an example a review published in the British Medical Journal, which reviewed some 44 qualified papers. When I say qualified, whenever a review paper is done, they have to look at all of the research parameters because if it doesn't fit certain parameters, it doesn't qualify for review, okay? So 44 papers. And these 44 papers were all about calcium supplementation, either from food or food supplements or both, and the risk of fracture. Here is the direct quote, quote, dietary calcium intake is not associated with risk of fracture and there is no clinical trial evidence that increasing calcium intake from dietary sources prevents fractures. Evidence that calcium supplements prevent fractures is weak and inconsistent, close quote. Another review of 59 qualified randomized studies drew a very similar conclusion. And these are not the only reviews. The simple fact is, my friends, that science, not groupthink, not what everybody knows, none of that stuff. The science tells us that osteoporosis is not a calcium deficiency disease. I know that's what everyone thinks all over the planet, but it's simply not true. What we do know from the latest science is that osteoporosis is far more likely to be caused by a deficiency of vitamin D than calcium. And of course, if you don't have sufficient levels of both vitamin D and magnesium, that's going to increase your probability of osteoporosis. It's not about calcium. It's about vitamin D and magnesium. Objectively speaking, it's important to note what these various studies were studying and how they were designed. As I stressed previously, Without sufficient levels of magnesium and vitamin D, the calcium will be useless or even potentially harmful. Many of the studies were done with calcium alone, 
Some of the studies were done with calcium from food only, or calcium from dietary supplements only, or a combination of them. Some of these studies were done by giving too much calcium per dose. So if you go over 500 milligrams of calcium in a single dose, the body will not be able to absorb in excess of 500 milligrams at a time. That's also been shown in human scientific study. And many of these studies were doing 1,000 or even 1,200 milligrams at a time, which of course skewed the data. And I want you to know all this because this is an objective analysis. There's no agenda here. There is also the consideration of ratios, which often were not followed in these studies. So to be fully objective, I strongly believe that calcium from food is well absorbed and can increase bone mineral density. I think there is evidence for that. If it's in the presence of adequate levels of magnesium and vitamin D at the same time. I believe this is also true with dietary supplements. As is frequently said at the end of a scientific study, more study is needed. So I'm not saying that calcium supplements are dangerous or useless on their face, simply that not everyone requires calcium supplementation because of the very significant levels of calcium in the modern diet. If you're going to supplement, you have to ensure that you have adequate levels of vitamin D and magnesium. With the amount of calcium that I consume in my food personally, I would personally choose a dietary supplement that contains magnesium and vitamin D, but contains no calcium at all. And that's because of the balance of these nutrients that naturally occur in food and my personal choices, as well as the choices of many in modern society in terms of diet today. If your physician detects low blood levels of calcium, that may mean that you need to increase your calcium, or it may mean that you need to increase your levels of magnesium and or vitamin D. If you go through a scan such as a DEXA scan and find that your bone mineral density is declining, it may mean that you need more calcium. Or once again, it may mean that you need one of the cofactors for the absorption and utilization of calcium or one of the cofactors that help to hold calcium in your bone. It's just not as simple as saying, all women should take more calcium. All right, having said all that, we've established all the foundation. So what are the risks of taking too much calcium? If you have excessively high levels of calcium in your blood, it's known as hypercalcemia. This condition can cause calcification in your soft tissue. It can cause renal insufficiency and kidney stones. That's just for starters. I've spoken with several women who gave birth, survived gallstones, and also 
had kidney stones, and each of them told me that kidney stones were far more painful than childbirth and gallstones combined. <laughs> the one thing you don't want to do is form kidney stones because you're not following the latest science on calcium intake. Calcium also has a tendency to tighten your stool and in fact may result in constipation. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, various minerals interact with each other, some in a positive way and some not. Balance is wellness. It is essential to maintain healthy balance of nutrients in your blood. Too much calcium, as an example, can block the absorption of zinc. It can block the absorption of iron. This, of course, can be very serious. Several scientific sources have confirmed that excessive calcium intake from dietary supplements versus excessive calcium intake from food increases kidney stones. Another surprise for many may be the scientific evidence that indicates that high levels of calcium intake increases the risk of prostate cancer. I need to emphasize that at this stage of research, science doesn't exactly understand why this is. There are also at least six different studies that link high calcium intake, particularly from dietary supplements, with increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Well, I hope this episode on calcium proves to be beneficial for you. I'm almost certain that most everyone was surprised with much of this information. Thanks for listening to the Nugent Report. And until next time, this is Dr. Steve Nugent, urging you to stay safe, be sensible, and be objective. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nugent Report. Visit our website at drnugent.com for more objective facts about health and nutrition and email your questions and feedback to info at drnugent.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Nugent Report. Stay informed. Get the facts with the Nugent Report.